0: I'm Joe Devine and welcome to the Tifo Football podcast today i'm joined by Alex Stewart. We talked about the news that David Moyes has been hired as the new manager of West Ham United, uh, and we talked more generally about British managers about the, the the press carousel whenever there's a new job available the same short list of names seems to be covered. Whose fault is that? Is that sensible? Chairman's Press, etc. I would like to say at this point as well, that very close to the beginning of the podcast, I called a number of managers English uh, by accident, when more than half of them were Welsh or Scottish. So I do apologise to David Boys, Mark Hughes. I don't think I did it with Tony Pulis, but just in case I did, Tony Pulis is of course Welsh. I do know that. I misspoke as a sort of ancient imperialist, apologies for that. Another thing to say is that this is our final week as UMAX it football On November the 20th, providing there are no further setbacks, we will be uh, releasing our new website, and everything will be moving over to the name of TIFO. Um, so that's going to be exciting. I uh, will remind you of that next week. But if you go and have a look at the new site, I think it looks amazing. We've done a lot of work with resident artist Philippe Fenner Um, to to make it look very special so that's exciting for us also a reminder that we are nominated for the Football Supporters Federation Awards in the online media category please vote for us, that would be nice we get to go anyway, I'm informed it's a three course meal very exciting and finally the overwhelming response to last week's question of the flute was positive it should stay uh, so therefore it will remain Um, here it is now thanks very much for downloading and enjoy the podcast So, Alex, David Moyes uh, has another job. Now, I've uh, read an interesting stat this morning on Twitter. I'm not sure who posted it, someone of note, no doubt. But they said... Uh, between Sam Allardyce, David Moyes, Roy Hodgson, and I think it might have been Harry Redknapp, I can't remember, another notable English manager, that they'd had 27 jobs in the English leagues, uh, which is quite astonishing. Their argument, I think, was that uh, there were jobs for, 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 for English managers, but there's a sort of circus, I think, there's a kind of rotation, and we've talked about this a little bit before, David Moyes is always at the forefront of that, I think we talked about this a little bit when we spoke about managers like Julian Nagelsmann and, of course, we released a video on Thomas Tuchel recently as well. Now, there's always a list of uh, of pri- primarily British managers uh, who are sort of touted for any Premier League job that goes at any point in any season. David Moyes has been one of those since he left Everton and left Manchester United. Um, and now he's at... West Ham. So first and foremost, I'd like to hear you say that that system of managerial choice is stupid. Uh, and secondly, I'd like to hear what you think about his, uh, his new job. There was a thing in the Times yesterday,
1: which said um, that I think it was a number of those people you mentioned, Hodgson Allardyce. Um, it included Mark Hughes and Tony Pulis in that list as well, um, which I think is slightly unfair to group them in i particularly pulis who i'm an admirer of you know he may not create the most attractive sides but he gets results and he knows what he's doing um
0: well and he's been at two what just two clubs in in what the last eight years uh yeah so uh, oh,
1: crystal palace my bad that's three three yes he wasn't there for all that long was he um no and And actually, funnily enough, palace seem to account for for quite a number of those jobs. They seem to have a predilection for picking managers and then getting rid of them, but they're all british um Do I think it's stupid? I think it's i think the debate around it is more stupid than the thing itself um I think that yes, there's a balance between picking people who have experience of working under those conditions, uh, who are used to the stresses and strains of Premier League management, who have uh, familiarity with some of the players already, which is a crucial element. Um, You know, I I don't think that somebody who, say Marco Silva, for example, who, who came over from the Greek League and has obviously done very well, you know, he he's a very capable and competent football manager the one area that you could have legitimately criticized him for is potentially less familiarity with the playing staff in the premier league that would have taken him a bit of time to get up to speed but beyond that you know it's about talent isn't it rather than anything else and he has it those english managers those british managers you know they have often got pretty low win percentages um uh, there's always a caveat argument to that, which is to say, well, of course they do because they don't get the big jobs. But then you're not going to get the big jobs unless you unless you prove that you're able to to win and, and, and get trophies and take clubs to the next level. So it's very difficult. I mean, I think that level argument is part of it. You know, if you have yeah. an established pecking order of six or seven clubs that due to financial power are always going to be at the upper reaches and those clubs by and large have shown a predilection for hiring non-British managers of late um, with the exception of Moyes at United and we'll come back to him in a second uh, then the ceiling is there as much because those six or seven clubs are are a kind of mini league in and of themselves, and they aren't hiring English managers.
0: So that I, I think I'm sorry to interject as well. Yeah. I, I just want to say a couple of, couple of things. Firstly, we, we say there that maybe Tony Pulis and Mark Hughes shouldn't be included in that list. Um, and also, I have to say, I'm an admirer of Sam Allardyce. I'm not sure he should be included included in that list because I think, uh, it, you know, the the last. Well, the last uh, few of his uh, of his jobs, with the exception of the England job, perhaps, let's say, uh, there's a clear reason why he's uh, invited along and he and does a very good job every single time. I don't think that is an example to me of a chairman who either don't know what they're doing or are making decisions based on, on no evidence. I think when a club goes to sign Sam Allardyce, there's clear reasoning for it. And also he seems to be... Uh, uh, a very good football manager, or certainly very good uh, a certain type of football management, um, and certainly from my perspective, seems to have a, a quite a good grip on the psychological side of the game as well i 've heard him talk before quite a lot about how he uh, would try and manage the atmosphere of the dressing room more so than the physical preparation for upcoming games, which I think is an interesting way of looking at it. The second thing I would say is, uh, I, I think I called David Moyes English at the beginning of this. <laughs> so I'd like to apologise for that now, because I think there might be some Scottish people out there. Uh, perhaps David Moyes include, included furious with me. Uh, apologies, of course, I meant British managers. Um, and I, and I, I suppose what I'm really talking about is is... That that carousel of, of a handful of names that we've seen year in, year out, who perhaps don't seem to do great jobs, or, or those who... Steve McLaren, for example, was someone who, for the, not so much this season, but for the last four years, I think has just almost been touted whenever there's a, a, a vacancy at a sort of bottom half Premier League club. He's mentioned, despite the fact that his last... You know his last handful of jobs have, have, with the you know exception of a few, have been pretty woeful failures. You know, and, and I think it just serves to me seemingly, and perhaps that's me as someone who doesn't know any better, which is why I'm asking you. It seems to me that that is, that is just the example of uh, of chairman who who don't either don't have the ability to to broaden their their view or don't have any system in place to. Uh, I don't know, rifle through different candidates to think about who would be a good candidate for a job. For example, we talked about this when Frank de Boer went to Crystal Palace at the beginning of the season. Now, I think that that's slightly unfair to say that that wasn't a broadening of of some horizons. But at the same time, it it was clear to anyone who was paying any attention uh, that that was a, a change that would have required an incredible uh, or quite a dramatic transition stylistically on the pitch and in other ways that perhaps wasn't going to happen in a short space of time, and maybe it wasn't a good time to make that choice. It, so it seems to me that there's clueless chairman. Am I am I wrong? Do you think? Mm, I, I, no, I, I don't. I don't think to an extent you're wrong.
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot in what you've just said to unpick. I, I think the first thing is that it's worth remembering that these. Uh, you know, the, the the tailing of names, shall we say, you know, oh, it's, you know, the favourites are X, Y and Z, that that's by and large coming from the press. So it's not necessarily chairman that being unimaginative, it's the same old names get trotted out by the media in the absence of any real clear evidence that actually those people are in any way linked with the job. And you can look at how, fair point. you know, Sam Allardyce has, was heavily linked with the Everton job and then came out yesterday and said i've had no conversations about this job whatsoever so you know there's there's an extent to which the media jump on the bandwagon and bring up the same people for want of anything else and i and i do think it's worth saying that the the british media with some some honorable exceptions and i look mostly here at the guardian are pretty insular in their coverage and their knowledge and that particularly exp- extends to television pundits who will quite happily say like paul merson oh i've no idea who this person is and you think well you know your your job is to know about football <laughs> and football doesn't stop at, at dover kind of thing so that, that so it's lazy lazy journalists not necessarily lazy chairman i i think there's an extent to which that's true um I think that if you look at certain things, okay, Steve McLaren, you know, he was he was perhaps unfortunate at Derby. I'd say he was unfortunate at Derby. Um I think he was also dealt a fairly crappy hand at Newcastle. And if you look at McLaren and also Roy Hodgson, they are the only two English managers uh Kind of almost in living memory, who've actually won anything,
0: albeit abroad. Um, who also managed both managed England.
1: Who also both managed England, which is perhaps the the poison chalice that ruins everything for everyone. Um, yeah. So you know, it's understandable that that you would look at that. I mean, I think it's more interesting to look at, at sometimes people like maybe Alan Pardew, who okay, he's you know he's got a cup final under his belt, but it it's not. You know, they are people seemingly to me whose win ratios, whose competition pedigree doesn't suggest anything. Allardyce is a different example because Allardyce, generally speaking, since his really excellent work with Bolton, has kind of been a firefighter. You know, he gets brought into clubs that look like they're doomed and he somehow miraculously pulls it around. Um and so he's developed a kind of a specialist role within that. Uh, I, I I don't know. Tim Sherwood. Tim.
0: Tim, Tim Sherwood. <laughs> can I can I have Tim Sherwood? Tim
1: Sherwood is is something of a mystery to me. I mean, look, we've we've got by the numbers coming out. I don't know whether it'll be out before or or after this pod's released. But looking at when percentages of English managers and of all the English managers who've sat in the dugout either this season or in the last couple, Uh, Craig Shakespeare's the one who's actually most successful. And Sherwood's
0: Sherwood's not far off that. So, you know, maybe there was uh, something in that. Someone sent me an interesting article the other day um, about Tim Sherwood's uh, brief reign at at Swindon Town. Do you know much about this? Um, I I know it was an unmitigated disaster. So he was the director of football. He was appointed director of football at, at Swindon Town. And uh, essentially, no one really knows what happened in the sort of six months or so that he was there. But uh, it was predominantly, um, well, his time there was sort of predominantly covered uh, by him not appearing at games, uh, him never doing any press conference other than the, f- the opening one. And uh, I think upsetting managers, upsetting, upsetting the apple cart, let's say, and then uh, disappearing off into the distance some months later. A very, a very strange goings on. Yes. Very strange goings on. Um,
1: and, and it's interesting that he's not really resurfaced as, as a likely candidate for any of the roles that have recently been vacant. Um, I mean, to go back to, I suppose your original question, which was to do with David Moyes and, and West Ham. Um, we've been looking at that today for a, a whiteboard football video.
0: Incidentally, that, that will be out later this week. Yeah. Um, so what's
1: interesting to look at with that is that Moyes tactically is is sort of predictable. Um and and in fact, you know, that he he was using a similar system when he managed briefly and and unsuccessfully at Real Sociedad. Um he tried similar kind of things at Manchester United as well, where incidentally he actually had his highest win percentage of his career, um, yeah. Just over. Although I suppose you'd 50%. expect that, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. You would hope so. Um, but what's interesting is that the kind of direct, um, quite vertical, uh, overlapping fullbacks, wide midfielders cutting inside, two deep sitting midfielders that screen the centre backs approach that Moyes favours. Actually, the West Ham squad is quite well geared to that style of football. Um, they're already playing a significant number of long balls more accurately than anybody else this season. Uh, their transitions aren't too bad. Uh, they've got Aaron Questwell, and on the right-hand side, they could use Aboletta, they could use Sam Byram, the, the lad that they got from Leeds. Um and, you know, someone like potentially Mikel Antonio actually playing in the kind of number 10 role as a sort of quasi Fellaini um, behind Chikorito could actually work quite well for West Ham. Um, so, you know, that, that might be an instance where either by by luck or, or by thorough research and good thinking, um, you know, West Ham have stumbled on a manager who... Who suits their style of play, and I think that's the crucial point. You know, you mentioned Frank de Boer earlier; that would have been for it to work. That would have been an absolute vault fast in the way that Crystal Palace have played football mm. for the last five and, years, and, and a that's
0: total squad transition as well. You would imagine
1: exactly, and that's the key point. Is there's nothing to say that you can't change the identity of a football club that you the the playing identity of it, um, and and there's nothing wrong with trying to do that, and you can look at how you know for example um particularly german managers like Jurgen Klopp um or uh David Wagner at Huddersfield have come in and and instigated a, a style which was not maybe utterly alien to those players but it's definitely been a transition in the way they play and that's that's worked by and large so you can do that but what you need to do is say first of all, that this manager will have the time to do that, that it's not going to go immediately, right? And it it will be a transition. And also to then back that manager in the transfer market by by bringing in the sorts of players who can play that style of football. And you can look at Pep Guardiola's full-back acquisition in the summer and how important that's been to, you know, the side who are arguably one of the best two sides in Europe currently. Um, or you could look at, at the recruitment that Klopp made over the period that he's been there and how those players that he's brought in have suited the way that he wants to play football. So, you know, it takes time, it takes confidence from the chairman, it takes backing if you're going to bring in somebody who doesn't immediately suit the style and the playing squad that you have at your disposal. Now, David Moyes, I think, actually can suit the squad and the kind of basic sense of, of, how West Ham have been playing of late and he can probably tighten up the defence. He can give better support to um, Hernandez up front and he could well be able to get a team who, let's be honest, on paper should not be where they are um, further up the table. It's not going to be exciting. It's it's not going to produce swashbuckling football that anyone will particularly want to watch. But, you know, he... He's a reactive manager. He he sets his teams up well to counter the opposition. And I think people have to remember that, yes, his spell at Sunderland was disastrous. Um, you know, fewer than 20% of the games he managed re- resulted in a win. But it's very, very clear reading about Sunderland, you know, anyone from Jonathan Wilson through to David Priest are, are very clear on the fact that the problems at Sunderland extend well beyond the playing area and and i think that that anybody thrust into that position would have struggled with that playing squad with all of the issues off the field the yeah the man the
0: clear lethargy i think as well i mean
1: yeah it's it's a it's a sort of treading water club who've been scraping by or were scraping by for the last sort of three or four seasons and Arguably, they've not had a sense of direction and and purpose since Roy Keane left. Um, so I think I think judging Moy's, you know, let's let's be honest. His last three jobs after a very successful stint at Everton, very successful stint, were arguably the hardest job in English football, succeeding Sir Alex Ferguson, moving to a foreign country that he had little to no experience of. Bearing in mind Everton only played European football, I think, three or four seasons, and briefly at that, uh, a club where he didn't speak the language, and, you know, that was obviously going to be very difficult. Was that Sunderland? <laughs>
0: very good. Sorry. Hey, I didn't mean that in a sort of... Uh, he's, he's, let, me, let me be clear. I wasn't, I wasn't poking fun <laughs> at any dialect I, I was uh, suggesting, that there was no communication at Sunderland but I can see how it yeah, I, I, Inst- instantly that, that would have been misread as me making fun of the way that people talk, <laughs> which is categorically <laughs> not what I was doing.
1: Yes. Um, no, I wasn't referring to Sunderland, but then also, you know, Sunderland. So that's three recent jobs, all of which have been really, really hard. And I think I think he deserves a certain degree of recognition for having the, the balls to go abroad... To associate dad after united had gone so wrong um and yes he didn't make the most of united but i'd struggle to think of anybody who could have stepped in to that void left by sir alex ferguson with sir alex ferguson still hanging around quite as much as he did and and make a success of it. It would have taken... Well, also, you know, somebody... we, I
0: spoke to Paul Ansorge on, on this podcast last week, and, mm. and he made the point that Sir Alex Ferguson has, since his retirement and since David Moyes has departed the club, also made the point that David Moyes was not, by any means, the first choice. So, it was, you know, it seemed clear to... Certainly, you can imagine it seemed clear to some other managers uh, that unless they'd already promised themselves somewhere else that perhaps they didn't really want to take the job because it was obvious it would be difficult to... A difficult act to follow. So in some ways, you kind of have to feel a little bit sorry for David Moyes there. Yeah, I I absolutely do, and and I think I, you know, I think if you if you look at
1: his at the work he did at Everton on a tight budget, maximising the strengths of a squad that was oftentimes quite ordinary with with you know with a few good players for sure. You know, particularly the fullbacks Baines and Coleman when he wasn't um, injured, which I think he has been for. Forever now, mm. um, but you know he he made fairly workmanlike players do well, um, yeah, because he
0: he knew what he was doing. Uh, he made Fellaini look like a genius.
1: Well, you, you know, play to your strengths. It's the first thing that you you would ever you know. As somebody whose experience of management and football extends to the computer game but it, it is the first thing that I would always do when I take over a club is you you, you look at who have you got and what are they good at
0: right so, so th- th- this is exactly what I was about to ask you because we talked about this before and we talked about managers in the case of David Wagner and Jurgen Klopp who come uh, and sort of uh, I suppose they, they they place their system on top of the current squad and and if they make astute choices about where they go to coach, then that can work quite well. I think you've seen in Pep Guardiola's case at Manchester City that it's there's been a period of transition and now we're seeing you know, the, the fruits of that. But also, uh, that's a club with an incredible amount of money to spend on players to make that system work very quickly. West Ham, Crystal Palace, places like this where they try and bring in Frank De Boer, where um, West Ham now, uh, it, seem, it seems to be bringing in David Moyes is good because it will suit the style of players they have. It seems to me that there would either be uh, a requirement for for the club to bring in a manager who they know will suit the style of of play uh, of their current squad, or is it not is it not on the manager to be more flexible? I mean, I remember listening again to Sam Allardyce talk about how he would have uh, managed the England squad. I think he was asked on Monday Night Football and. Uh, some people had expressed concern that that with England he would encourage them to play long ball football and in the manner that he'd would been seen at, at West Ham and you know, at clubs before that. And he said, no, of course he wouldn't do that because none of the players in that squad suit that style of play and that he would adapt and that he would look at the strongest partnerships. He cited Dele Alli and Harry Kane as pot- potentially the strongest partnership in that team and he would play to their strengths. And so I wonder if even you're saying that as a football manager, manager, as in the virtual world manager, is, is it not, you know, should we not expect more from premier league managers, uh, to, to be able to go to a club and adapt their style of play? Is that something we've ever seen? Or is that, is that not true? Is is it a league full of specialists? Well, I, th-
1: I don't think you can give Sam Allardyce any kudos for saying that Deli Alli and Harry Kane is England's strongest player pairing. Um, anybody could tell you that. Um, I think I think managers will always have certain strengths, whether it's um, the the psychological aspect or I mean, look at someone like Brian Clough. You know, Clough was Clough was a a man manager and and his tactical philosophy was effectively short passes, trying to always move it forwards, keep the ball and don't do anything particularly over the top if it's not going to work. And that that's pretty much what happens. And if you then get the right blend of players and get them psychologically right for a match with fairly simple tactical instructions, then it'll work. And his great counterpart, Don Revy, who they hated each other, obviously this stuff is well known, was... Much more uh, detail oriented, would produce dossiers on what the opposition were doing, and would meticulously plan how to nullify specific threats and that kind of stuff. Which is funny so,
0: because his teens are associated with a, with a type of rough and tumble that Cloughs aren't. Exactly, yes. But the point is that they were both very successful, and they had totally different
1: approaches. and And when Clough moved to Leeds, Leeds, the players there. Expected him to be more like Revy and to, to give dossiers and to give specific tactical instructions to negate the opposition and that kind of Jose Mourinho approach. And and so, yes, I mean maybe managers should be more flexible, but maybe players get used to a certain style, a certain approach, and they have expectations around that, and if it's if that's not met, they get confused or they feel like they don't know what they're supposed to be doing i th- i think i think someone like david moyes you you can look at his managerial tactical history and say he is pretty consistent that that you know whatever the group of players he manages is he will set them up in a certain sort of way to do a certain sort of thing and that was the issue at manchester united and you could say okay well moyes should have you know, being more expansive and and being more direct in terms of how he used his wide midfielders and, and maybe, you know, watched videos of the treble season and taken a leaf out of that book. But I don't know whether he was capable of doing that. I don't know whether the players were not going to buy into his instructions. And so he decided to revert to what he knew because he didn't feel that maybe he had the confidence of the players to, to try something different or... You know, the players expected him to be a certain way, so he, he kind of dovetailed him with that. It, it's it's incredibly hard to know what the answer to that is. And I think if you look at, at the teams that have done it reasonably successfully, you know, when Huddersfield hired, hired Wagner, they basically said to him, like, we are hiring you because we like your approach, because we think it will work, and you will have the time and the backing to gather a squad that will suit that because we trust that's the right thing to do. Other managers like Guardiola, you know, he's not going to get sacked in the first season. So he's given time, as you say, he's given resources and financing that are beyond the dreams of almost every other club um, to assemble the squad that he knows will work for him. Where you're further down the line. Um, and You're more restricted. Well, yes, you're more restricted and your choice of manager you know, is probably influenced by that. You know, you are you going to hand David Moyes 150 million, go out and buy whoever you like and play whatever style you like? It's it's unlikely. So instead, you look at it and go, okay, well, you know, we're good at long passes, we're good in the air, we're good at getting headed shots on target. Who do we know who can do all of those things and is currently available? Well, Moyes, and and I don't know whether. There's no reason why the recruitment of managers shouldn't be as sophisticated uh, as the recruitment of players. And the stats are all there and available, certainly, you know, to clubs with the money to purchase them from, from third party, number cruncher, quant type companies. Um, so there isn't any reason why that shouldn't happen. But I don't know whether it does or not. Uh, and it may kind of come down to pedigree and a good interview as much as anything else
0: okay well a couple of questions to to finish this off then Uh, firstly what do you expect from David Moyes at West Ham in terms of of long-term results if that's if that's even a possibility and secondly does this uh, potentially mean a future England call-up for Andy Carroll (laughs) um no to the
1: latter um sure sure I, I think I think Carroll's ship has kind of sailed. What if
0: he scores a lot of headers, though, Alex? What if he scores some goals
1: through his head? I, I mean, he, if he's ever uninjured, then that's a distinct possibility. I think. I think it's worth noting that actually, Moyes would would more likely play Carroll off another striker to kind of. Th- I mean, Moyes must be oh, Hernandez. Devastated. Well, he doesn't like playing a big target man. Generally speaking. And if he does, he uses someone like Victor Inichobe, who's much more about closing down. And I mean, Carroll could work, but yeah, you know, carol's Carol's not all that bad. But you know, ahead of him are people like Harry Kane and Tammy Abraham, who obviously we did a recent player profile video on, who's just been called up to the England squad. Um, so I think, yes, I don't, I don't think we'll be seeing Carroll necessarily any time soon. I think, I think if Moyes is given time. Um, And there's not enough of a kind of psychological malaise in that squad. Um, Then he'll keep them clear of relegation and he could go on to do quite well. But whether the West Ham fans will ever really take to him in terms of the style that he plays and whether he'll adapt that to produce something a bit more attractive, I, I don't know. But certainly... I think, given the state that West Ham are currently in, and how clearly Slav and Bilic had kind of lost his way, it's as good an appointment as they're likely to be able to make.
0: True, and also another way of looking at it, I suppose, would be to say that West Ham, as as a as a club with potential, um, are probably in a greater position than than Everton were when uh, David David Moyes was their manager. What with. A very sizable stadium, uh, and and of course, I mean, something that the whole league is benefiting from the increase in in, in uh, domestic and and foreign TV rights as well. So it'll be interesting to see how David Moyes handles having a bit more money to spend than he probably did at Everton, um, because that is again something for which he is criticised at Manchester United. Although, of course, that that crosses over with Ed Woodward
1: and players of the kind of calibre that Manchester United would be looking to recruit going who's this David Moyes guy, um, which I think to a degree Well, they'll, they'll know now. Well, now they'll know,
0: yeah. <laughs> yes, I don't think that makes it any more likely that they'll sign. <laughs> we'll have to see. Alex, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks. Okay, take care, mate.